What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Shot Sports Show Football Edition. I'm Ron Galopity, one of your co-hosts, uh, diehard Packers fan. Very excited to see my Packers play this week for the first time in two weeks. Uh, it's looking pretty good for us. Um, but we're going to be jumping right into our wildcard weekend edition, and I'll let everyone else introduce themselves. What's up, guys? It's Jay. Um... I'm a Bucks fan, and yeah, I'm excited to talk playoffs. Uh, I, I'm Anish. I'm a Packers fan, and uh, yeah, go green and gold. Kill yourself. Hey, I'm Alex. Um, very proud Bears fan, even if we died miserably this weekend. And I'm Alan, a diehard Cowboys fan. Um, looking forward to that 10th overall pick. <laughs> Suck it, losers. Whoa. There you go. Hold on. First thing, first thing, before we even talk about anything else, we Wait. need to resolve this bet. Resolve? Yeah. You and Jay had a bet last week. Yeah, There's I no won. resolution. It's, he it's won. Not, it's it's not even, it's refresh the viewers on what it was. Yeah, refresh and, the viewers. Fine. The bet was... That the Saints would crush the Bears. The official bet was that the Bears would lose by a, by more than one score, which obviously is so easy. Um, so I immediately put money on it, and I won. So nice. it's not so nearly as it's not nearly as easy as it's being made out to be, ladies and gentlemen. But Alex, please, please, no, please, no. The only thing gonna... that the Bears got out of that is that stupid ass like Nickelodeon award thing for Mitchell Trubisky. Yes. <laughs> the internet bullies Mitch Trubisky even. Mitch for... Trubisky has the MVP. How many MVPs does Patrick Mahomes have? That's all yes. I'm saying. Um But yes, now that we've gotten that out of the way, I guess we should start maybe with our brackets, just to refresh everyone on what they're looking like, uh, how how healthy they're looking going into divisional round. Yeah, Um, um, Rom, you go first, actually, since you weren't here last week, just like talk to people about your bracket and how it ended up uh, playing out for you. Yeah, so my bracket was a little weird. Um, I I noticed it when I when I kind of filled it out, but it was basically kind of all chalk. I don't think I had a single upset um, apart from the Buccaneers beating the football team. So my four picks, uh, or rather my six picks for this past weekend were um, Titans over Ravens, uh, Seahawks over Rams, uh, Buccaneers over football team, Steelers over the Browns, Bills over the Colts, uh, and then Saints over the Bears. Um, so I got half of those correct, I believe. <laughs> uh, because I didn't call um, three of the upsets that happened. Um, I mean, I guess this goes more into discussion of, of those actual games, but my bracket is currently sitting in last place because I, yeah, I did not call basically Rams over Seahawks is, is, is okay, the uh, terrible. Big one there. Terrible. Um, I'll go next. Um, my bracket was okay until the Steelers-Browns game. Um, I chose everything right except for that, you know, because I'm very good with my football knowledge. Um, but, yeah, so I think I'm tied for the best bracket with Anish and Alex right now. 
And um, I'm also doing pretty well. I think I have, I got five out of six for the wild card. Um, so for me, and I even talked about this last week, Seahawks, Rams, Steelers, Browns, those were two like toss-ups in my head a little bit. And um, I got lucky with one of them. I didn't get lucky with the other. Uh, you know, I predicted the Seahawks to win and the Rams won. Uh, fair play. You know, uh, the Rams were a really good team. You know, I don't know. Pete Carroll is uh, getting a lot of hate right now. Uh, and then the Browns destroyed the Steelers. Like, oh, my God, what a game. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about all that later. But I basically got five out of six. So. Yeah, um, Alex here, also getting five out of six. Jay and I had the same wild card pr- weekend predictions coming in, and uh, not just to like convince myself that I was smarter, but I definitely thought that those. First of all, those two games that Anish just called out for being toss ups were both divisional games, and divisional games can always go wild. So that's just something worth considering. But uh, yeah, in my head, I definitely thought that uh, Rams-Seahawks was a more high IQ decision by me to call the Rams. Like, I thought it was Steelers was easy money going into it. I kn- Mainly, COVID was just, like, what pushed it over the edge. But either way, yeah, I'm 5 of 6, and let's just see how this next weekend goes out. Um, I'm tied for second to last or second best, depending on you, how you see it. Uh, are you tied with yourself? Rams. Are you tied with yourself? Oh, I guess I'm not tied. I'm second or second worst. Um, yeah, no, I missed on the Rams. I missed on the Browns. I thought both of those teams would be hampered by COVID more than I expected. Or, I mean, yeah, more than actually happened. I expected them to be hampered a lot by COVID. Um, turns out that uh, John Walford and injured Jared Goff is still fucking better than Russell Wilson somehow. And it's, I don't even, whatever. But, yeah, that's that's what happens. Yeah, and uh, just to recap, you can – Find all of our updated brackets. We'll be posting on our Instagram at the Shot Sports Show. Um, hopefully, pretty soon, probably today, even. Um, but <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, just uh, check us out. Uh, all of our brackets are going to be up there, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see who who ends up uh, who ends up topping out between us five. So it'll be fun. Do you think we should do some kind of reward? For best bracket or like punishment for worst bracket? Yeah, we could. Like what? Hmm. Oh no. Chili pepper? Carolina oh, Reaper. <laughs> I don't know, Rom. What do you want high variance? It's yeah, too I mean, high variance to be like. <laughs> also, I would have maybe put a little bit more effort into it if I know there's going to be a punishment. Okay, That's fair. You know, I feel That's... I feel good about my bracket. I was a genius with the Rams. Yeah, I feel bad about the Steelers Browns. I I was just like they're not have their head coach, and then I should have factored in that they're clearly going to cheat. <laughs> but right, you know, these things happen. Um, but yeah, I guess we can look ahead to our predictions for. Or actually, let's let's review the let's review the games, and then we can talk about predictions. Yeah, after. yeah. Okay, let's do let's right, do so, since that since we've been yeah, mentioning obviously. it a lot. I mean, I mean, 
tough loss for the Steelers. That's all I can say. Like, like I mean, there's nothing else. It's so funny. They um, they almost beat the Browns week before with Mason Rudolph, and then in Cleveland. Just, in Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, and now look at this at Heinz Field. They just fucking. Choke it, bro. I mean, that's the Steelers of late, though, so I'm not that I just want to say it's so embarrassing. I mean, I don't even know. I I don't even know if I was a Steelers fan. Because, like, I I, I realized, like, oh, shit, this was the team that started 11-0 and ended up finishing 1-5. Has that ever happened in NFL history? Like, I don't even – I it just it's insane to me. And uh, it's really embarrassing. you know, I, I think it's more than just the head coach that's miss, missing on the Browns. You have like the starting left guard, like that's an important position for sure. You have, I, I think, a couple position coaches. I don't think they had either of their like starting cornerbacks, if I remember correctly. As yeah, they had they, they had cornerback uh, two, but they didn't have their slots two. or their or Denzel Ward. I see, but yes, I mean it's just like, damn, like. And they had no offensive line coaches. Like, they had an assistant being the active offensive line coach. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's, like, it's not just for the game. I thought the whole week, like, the whole week of preparation, I think a bunch of the coaches were out. So, like, Mm -hmm. that definitely hampers things, if I remember correctly. Maybe I'm wrong. And they miss practices, too. Exactly. Yeah, like, Baker didn't touch a football until Sunday or something. I heard something like that. Maybe Saturday. But the days off, it was ridiculous. I guess it just shows the power of Zoom at this point that even Zoom University or Zoom technology is what it takes to beat the Steelers because that's where they're at. Just the, just the first play of the game after, you know, the, the attempted kick return just defined it with that horrible snap by Marquise Pouncey, who has been basically a pro bowler every year for the past decade and that snap that they just threw it back horribly and then neither Big Ben or James Connor seemed like they cared enough to try and dive and save it because that was a pretty savable ball I'd like to think if they just put some hustle into it but no they they just gave it to Cleveland and it all just went downhill from there what I want to say is I think there is a culture problem in the Steelers and that Tomlin needs to do some soul searching. I think Tomlin's a great coach, but maybe I don't know, maybe he needs to like revamp some things because right now, like I agree, like it, it seemed like a game where the Steelers weren't trying and all season long we've had this distraction of juju dancing and whatever. Like I don't know if it's I feel like this culture is more of like you know, the, the, they're easily too proud. They're too proud, and they're not really trying to get things done. Um, they don't really have a chip on their shoulder. They're just like, you know, I think they're kind of like what Anish was once saying about just Snoop Dogg and coasting, and then they bit them in the ass. Can never go wrong with Snoop Dogg. Shut the yeah, fuck up. Um, TikTok has been like the team's kryptonite this semester, this season. Chase Claypool and Juju being huge TikTok stars may be good for their social media following, but something to do with them falling apart on the football field. 
Yeah, I mean, the Steelers, they were kind of a weirdly built team regardless. Like, usually when you see a team that that's, that's that strong on defense, um, they usually have a complementary, like, solid running game to kind of, you know, keep the defense fresh, at least keep the offense on the field for as long as they need to, or at least, like, get some points, right? Um, because the defense can't stop everything. Uh, the Steelers were kind of a weird situation where they were just trying to pass and had no run game and then play defense. Uh, and that ended up being a serious problem um, throughout the season is that the fact that they couldn't run the football. Um, I think like regarding the game, I think that's one of the strongest showings of momentum you'll ever see in an NFL game. Um, were the Browns really 28 to nothing better than the Steelers, you know, 28 to nothing after the first quarter better than the Steelers. I don't think so. But if you watch that game, it's unbelievable. The number of things that went wrong, even just like besides the highlight plays, like they were like, just like miss, like dropping passes. Um, just like getting blown up screens like it was absurd like literally for the entire first quarter they i don't think they pulled off like maybe like three plays somewhat successfully and by somewhat successful i mean like gained like five yards um it was pretty unbelievable and then you kind of saw the momentum shift the other way the browns offense stalled for a lot of the second quarter Steelers were able to put together a couple uh, a couple good drives i believe it was 20 it was 20 to like 14 16 or something at that at some point and the browns came in they scored right before the end of the half to kind of salt away the Steelers. but then you know they they still kind of came back in the third right they made it interesting in the third they were within 12 uh two scores in the third um and then the browns took it away um and then it was kind of just game over from there um i didn't pick this result right i don't think many people did uh given the browns covid issues but i feel pretty validated honestly in in how the browns played i mean i i got some flack a couple weeks ago for not cutting them um and this is kind of the cut the type of game that i thought the browns could have like they don't have a great defense right big ben threw for 500 yards although obviously a lot of that game was was garbage time that's kind of just what happens um but this is the kind of way that the Browns can win. I think they're the most momentum-based team in the entire league, even more than Tampa Bay, um, because we've already seen them do this to Tennessee, to another good team, another solid team, despite their loss this week, where they can kind of just like get turnovers on defense and just salt away the clock using the running backs. And Baker's played well. Baker's played extremely well the past. I believe the stat is like in the last 11 games, he has 19 TDs and two touchdowns, uh, which he'll definitely do, right, given the rest of the team. Um, we can talk about this more about predictions. I have some interesting, interesting thoughts on the Browns chiefs game. Um, but this is an interesting Browns team and honestly, obviously a great win for the city of Cleveland. I mean, that's off to them. No one thought that this would happen this season. I want to go back a bit to what Ron was saying with, the construction of great defensive teams normally having a very strong running game. And that's been Pittsburgh's identity for a long time. And maybe it's somewhat culture like Alan and I were suggesting, but I think a lot of it just has to do with the death and the degeneration really of their offensive line, because for the past decade, they've been one of the best offensive lines in football. That's what powered them through. Like, I mean, Le'Veon Bell with them was a, a clear star, phenomenal talent. 
Um, but it was also just an amazing offensive line. And even James Conner's first season, getting almost 1,000 on the ground and like close to 500 receiving, I think. And this offensive line, like Marquise Pouncey, just getting worse overall. Um, Alejandro Villanueva getting worse. Um, David DeCastro getting worse. The, David DeCastro like, is a future Hall of Famer, I'm pretty sure. And uh, this team is just degenerate. Like, I saw the PFF stats at the beginning of the game. Like, all of them, basically, even the ones that are star-studded careers, are, like, below the 50th percentile in terms of their PFF rankings. So this line has just gotten so much worse. And we've seen that over the season as the, their, their pass became so much more on their passing game and as the running game got worse. But without their offensive line, there is really difficult for them. And then on the other side with Cleveland, they have one of the best offensive lines now in football, fortunately for them. And even when they were missing Joel Batonio, I mean, Dunn stepped in fine. Like, their their coaching was good. They're, they seem to have good coaching on the off- offensive line. And even their backups are making quality productions because I don't think the backups were allowing sacks either. The only time sacks were happening were when they eventually decided, okay, we have to blitz with TJ Watt every single play and then, like, have a backup defender, a backup linebacker on the side to, like, see what option they're going if they go for a bootleg. And that's the only way they were able to get sacks. So having a great offensive line just bolsters your team so much. And I definitely think in the past few weeks I haven't given the Browns enough credit. Um, But, yeah, this was a... This was a huge win, even without it being a blowout. This is just a huge win for Cleveland, obviously. And, I mean, just after seeing that first quarter, just, I mean, the first quarter itself was kind of like if you were to play Madden on, like, rookie difficulty, the Browns were playing Madden on rookie difficulty against the Steelers and just, like, wrecking them. Like, it was just, like, the play that they were making were just, like, like so like ha- they were definitely like lucky for sure like to to be in the positions that they were where they were getting there's that one pick uh that Ben threw um it just like it just like bounced off someone and then the, he got it he got it he got picked and he was just like incredulous he was like how is this possible like after everything we've been through how is this how is something like that possible and just like nothing was going right. It was, yeah, it was just, uh, it was, it was, it was bad to the point of being funny. And um, I mean, I was certainly happy enough. Like I picked the Browns and I was definitely rooting for them. I think a lot of people were rooting for the Browns and um, yeah, I mean, uh, it is what it is for the Steelers next season, I suppose. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, that was Brown Steelers. Um, I think we pretty much covered a good amount for that. Let's talk about another matchup, which is very important to me. Um, the Bucks versus the Washington football team, okay? So, obviously, as a Bucks fan, I have a lot of thoughts on this game. Um, so, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to put it all out there, right? I think that when someone first looks at this win, like clearly the Bucks defense is terrible, right? And 
they see this, they're like, oh, wow, you guys beat a, a team with a losing record, barely. Um, he's starting their backup quarterback. I think that's like what simple-minded people looking at this game would think, right? But, okay. I mean, if, shut the fuck up. So if you think about the trend, right? Like the Bucks defense has been bad. That's not arguable. Like that's not the problem, right? I, I'm looking at the offense right now, right? The Tampa Bay offense in this game against a top five defense and the second best defense in the league in terms of receiving yards allowed did very well. Tom Brady against that defense threw almost 350 yards. Um, even even with the problems we had with like Chris Godwin and AB's drops. Um, there was still a ton of offensive production, which was, which was great, right? And going into it, you know, with Taylor Heineke playing, um, everyone thought that it should just be like a really easy win. But he put a lot of offensive production compared to what we, I think Alex Smith would have created. And it's funny, um, in his post-game interview, Bruce Arian said that they were actually hoping it would be Alex Smith instead of Taylor Heineke because like their their game plan going into everything was preparing for a quarterback that just is going to stand still and can't move at all right and um they they thought that Heineke's um mobility would would create some problems which obviously it did um and he played a great game I'm not discrediting him at all or the Washington offense but um what I'm saying is that this game didn't teach us anything new right like we knew the tampa bay defense is bad and that's not the reason we're going to win games the offenses and the offense was great again like it was extremely productive against a a good defense and so i'm happy about that and going forward um you know this is more into the predictions but if we're going to beat um future teams like the saints for example it's going to have to be in like a shootout type game right like we're never going to hold them to like a small amount of points because our defense just can't handle it. Um, but the way the offense has been playing through in this last stretch of the regular season and in this first game of the playoffs, I think that, you know, we'll see. There's definitely potential there. So that's all I have to say. Unless one of you guys says something really stupid. I mean, okay, so here's here's what it is. Um, I think that I agree with you, Jane, that the backup argument isn't that strong, given that a lot of people saw Taylor Heineke, myself included, and you're like, how is this dude a backup in the NFL? Like, he seems, you know, like fringe starter, right? Like, like really lower end starter, right? Like, almost backup. Uh, but he seems like he can play, right? He made some solid decisions. He was He made some solid throws. Um, I don't even know if he turned the ball over, honestly. Um, he had he had one pick, but it wasn't really his fault. Like the defense forced pick. it. Right? Okay. Ball. Yeah, I mean, given I, you know, yeah, it's 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 a playoff start. It's probably his first playoff yeah. start. Um, not gonna fault him too much for that. So he played solidly. Um, I agree with you, Jay. I mean, the Bucks offense. I think the one thing that was good here is that the Bucks offense was finally balanced, right? Which is one of the things I always had a critique of. Uh, is that they just they just rely on Tom Brady just have huge air yards, um, and regardless of how good Tom Brady is in his career right now, uh, I feel like having a forty three year old throw the ball you know forty fifty times a game is not the solution for winning. Um, they ran the ball for one hundred fifty yards. Leonard Fournette averaged almost five yards a carry on nineteen carries. That's really solid. Dude, I mean, what was I gonna say? Yeah. 
the run game was definitely good, and we're gonna have Ronald Jones back for the next game. Um, in terms of defense, I literally have nothing to say about the Buccaneers. I just sat there disgusted the entire game. Um, I guess one thing that was worse than usual was like our pass rush, like was kind of not up to par. It was like, but that's partially because Devin White wasn't playing. It's funny, like if we had played on Sunday, Devin White would have been in the game, but we didn't. We played on Saturday, so it's very unfortunate. But um, in the end, doesn't matter. Um, the defense is not going to win us games. The offenses and uh, both all parts of the offense are looking good right now. And it's even with Chris Godwin's drop, Mike Evans was like was clearly bothered by his injury. He like took himself out of the game like twice. Um, still had a great game. Um, AB that AB Brady connection. I love to see it. Um, yeah. I would say though, Jay, if there's one thing that I would worry for the Tampa Bay offense is that they stalled in the red zone on a lot of their drives. Um, their touchdowns came from like far out, which is like fine. Um, but they scored a lot of field goals, like even inside like the 15 of Washington. Yes, that is true. I I, I I do I do agree. That was a that was a trend like the entire game, first half and second half. So I'm yeah. sure that's something Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, all of them are gonna like work on over the week. Um but yeah, I think our only hope for beating the Saints is like a score like forty five to forty two. Just like an absolute shootout, you know what I mean? Um right. so I mean it's the, the one thing is, like, the Saints offense, like, it has all the pieces there, right, and tons of potential, but I just feel like they haven't clicked to the full level that, like, to the peak of their potential, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess so, actually we can we can maybe pivot into that Saints-Bears yeah. game, um, the Nick unless, wait, before we well, do yeah, that, unless I someone has someone. And Anish Allen and Alex's thoughts. So, uh, sorry, you can go, Allen. Or sorry, it was Anish, whatever, you can go. Well, I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I, I don't know, like, I mean, what, I don't really know what there's to say aside from what you guys have already said. Uh, it wasn't like really a surprise, obviously. And I don't really take too much from the game. Cause like, I mean, like the opponent is just not up to par and I don't think it's fair to assess this game very seriously um i think i think i am definitely like out of out of let's say like all the four divisional uh games i i am probably most excited for saints bucks um because you know i think the saints are the type of team that could give the bucks a lot of trouble um because their offense and defense are like on like if you if you take the teams as a whole, I I would say the Saints are better, and I know this the Bucks are like kind of hit, let's say hitting their stride on offense or whatever, but I'm not sure if it'll hold up. Um, and I certainly don't think this this game is like reason to say that the Bucks are you know kicking it into high gear. Uh, so I would just wait until then, and if if this if the Bucks beat the Saints. Again, it's like it's not a super impressive two seed, but it's still very impressive. Wait, wait, wait. I'm confused. You just said that this isn't a reason to think that the Bucks like this isn't like a the win against like, Washington. Yeah, you say there's like nothing good out of that. Not especially. I mean, like, it is because Washington is one of the best pass defenses in the league, and if we're still able to 
create that kind of offense against a defense like that, then that bodes very well for the rest of the playoffs, right? Like they're the second best in terms of receiving yards allowed. I suppose. I suppose that's a, that's a that's a fair argument. Like I'm, I'm ignoring the defense because we know the defense is the worst part of the team, and it's not going to help us get any wins. Um, and I'm just thinking about the offense. It has right? to be up to par, right? Your your defense can't be so atrocious. They're one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah, but I'm saying this this is not the game to you can't I don't know if you can really judge your team based off of this game. I think the real test comes next week. Um both well, yes, like, the Saints are a better overall team, but the Washington defense is one of the best in the league, is my point. That's yeah, but a, the, I mean the Saints defense is still pretty good too. Like it is good, but so I I mean I like I think like Fair, fair enough, but like I think it, there's a there's something to be said for a team having both a good offense and defense because that definitely affects the psyche sure. of the team but as well as the game script. It definitely, I mean, but the thing is, their offense played better than like ever. Really, like this was like one of the best offensive performances for the team this entire season. But like Taylor Heineke throws for like what like three forty yards for, and. Okay, fair. Like, I mean, there there are plenty of arguments for both sides. I'm just saying, like, it's 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 not. I'm saying there's no argument for your side. Well, the old, I, I think I think it's I think my I think my side is a is a more clear no, argument because no, the not. Saints it's are clearly. A, okay. Shut the fuck up. Okay, listen to me. Your point that this game gives us no good information about the Bucks is stupid. It gives us good and bad information. It gives us good information. It tells us that the offense is clearly on point. Clearly, it's gelling well. Like, the big thing for the Bucks' offense was consistency, right? But going into the last stretch of the season and the beginning of these playoffs, clearly they're more consistent than ever before, right? Rom. Me and Rom had this argument so many times. But I think you can kind of agree with me now, right? That the offense is more consistent. They're more consistent, yes. Definitely, right? Okay. And, yeah. But... And we, the bad things we learned are the bad things we already knew. The defense is terrible. That's not good. That's not big news, right? What this game told us is the offense is more consistent and it's still extremely productive. But and how does that? How does it tell us that even more? I don't. I'm not sure. Because this is like, the best defense they played in this past stretch of the season. This is yeah, a very good. Washington I, but defense. that's that's fair. I'm saying the Saints defense is still Why are you very talking? good. Yes. Why are we talking is... about the Saints? We're talking about no. what this, this game tells us. Well, I'm, my argument is that it doesn't say much. How? It does. Okay. Because... No, this is, no, this is where, where, where we're done with Anish. We're just not even going to entertain this. I know the viewers know what we're talking about. We're not even going to entertain Anish for any longer. Um, yeah, does, do Alan or Alex have anything to say about this game? You know it's bad when me and Ron hey, agree on something. Don't do it, Jay. Don't keep. Don't okay. keep. It you, know what? you know what? You know <laughs> This is the thing, right? I I, I stop because Ram is a fellow Packers fan, and I have to respect my fellow Packers fans. But when oh, Jay God. consistently disrespects me, okay. I just cannot hold you it in any longer. All your takes are stupid, and all your ideas are stupid, and everything you present is founded in. Bullshit and trash. Like you, it's founded in faith. No, you don't know anything. I have faith, Jay. I have faith that the Bucks are an awful team that will meet a fiery demise. 
Okay, can I get a clip of Anish in the last podcast saying, I wish I could have had my bracket having the Bucks make the conference round. Yet they're a terrible team. Okay. Well, because I want, well, I wanted the Packers, Mm -hmm. like, this is actually really good because now if if the Bucks do end up being the Saints, then they play the Packers and the Packers get to whip their ass uh, in the, in the conference uh, finals, which is even better. It's more stakes okay. and uh, even sadder for Jay when the Bucks. It's not sadder for me. Lose. I'm happy. The farther the Bucks go, the happier I am. Bro, Tom Brady has like maybe two years left at most. Okay, you're the Bucks will be irrelevant very soon. So this we is like this is like okay. some of the few chances that yes, you Tom have. Tom Brady left. is at the end of his, of, of his career. Is he still playing? Great football? Yes. That's not arguable, right? Like, he's playing good football right now. He threw 40 touchdowns this, this year. Um, so, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I feel like you're just arguing. Well, you don't, you, I don't know if, oh, I don't know if you're... Done. I don't no, think no, you as a fan should be like, oh, the further... Like, as long as you get super far, it's like, fine. You have Tom Brady. You should be going for the Super Bowl and... Anything less than that, I feel like should be a disappointment, especially after everything you're doing. This would be a disappointment. Obviously, every team wants to win a Super Bowl, Anish, but Tom Brady coming into a new system and playing with completely new players, literally, it, it's funny. Bruce Arians was talking about how in like the first like two or three games, like Tom Brady was still learning like the words associated with some of the plays. So, I, I. Yes, I want us to go as far as possible this season, but I expect next season to be a lot better, honestly. Um, and I feel like you're just arguing for the sake of arguing. I should have listened to Rom. I never should have engaged you again. This was my mistake. Just I like a stupid Bucks first. fan. Doesn't learn from his mistakes. Um, Alan, Alex, anything to say? Well, the first thing I have to say is that I'm happy you two are done talking at this point. Um, second thing I have to say is not to engage, but if we're going to use the argument that, uh, oh, because you have Tom Brady, who's a goat, and you, you should be disappointed if you don't win a Super Bowl, by extension, the entirety of the Packers' existence, basically under Aaron Rodgers, should be filled with disappointment, right? Because, oh, wow, you have the most accurate QB in NFL history. Every I'm year, sorry, you don't win the Super Bowl, that's should true, be filled yeah. with shame. I mean, yeah. each doesn't care I mean it is. That's, that's true. true. That's what everyone that's said. <laughs> that's not. I don't know what you're saying, Alex. But well, I mean, no. My point. No. I will tell you all the time. I don't get why we were not a perennial one or two seed for like the early 2010s. I don't get it. That is literally what we will say. Because is how the, the hell did we win one Super Bowl? Win the wild card. Look, I know that. I'm just saying that it's. I'm, my my point was. One, as a Bears fan, I need to bring up some Packers um, misery every time I can. (laughs) But moreover, um, that uh, I don't think Anisha's argument is valid because the Packers are a legitimate case, whereas Brady is 43 years old. And uh, even like a new system, there's just too much to get into why Brady gets a a pat on the back for being. They invested a lot into that team, though, especially this year, right? So, I mean, like, yeah, they, like, it, yeah, they, they brought yeah. in, they brought in, a, they brought in Gronk and AB on cheap deals. That's pretty much what it was. Gronk was to sign and trade, and that's it. 
And like Gray, Fournette, what are right? Fournette is cheap. Fournette is cheap. Fournette got fucking cut. Like, what do you want? Bucks have good uh, caps. Uh, Brady. Yeah, keep talking. Yeah. Here. Yep. There it's it is. Brady. Wow. Okay, I don't know. Honestly, we've we've gone so far from the actual we've game. Gone, we've gone very far from the game. It's so the Bucks, let me just bring it back to really, let me bring it back to the game. Let me bring it back yeah. to the game quickly, just to, that. I I just want to give like one little shout out to Antonio Brown for finally meshing with the system. Well, he had that twenty-two yard run. He had his first postseason touchdown in a few years because he caught that nice dime from Brady. Um, and I do think this team is certainly more consistent, more balanced on offense. I am more concerned about defense because defense is really what I think is going to be most vital for them winning championships because that defensive identity is what was powering through them at first. And now that they're slacking, that I think is more problematic. Sure, they'll be better with Devin White. De- Let's not overlook how small that missing piece is. Devin White was second-team All-Pro. Um, and, like, when I placed that bet with Jay for Saints-Bears, we had Roquan Smith, our second-team All-Pro linebacker, was supposed to be in the game. So, missing a player of that caliber, yes, it's a team sport, but missing a player of that caliber means a lot. And if, and unless Alan has something to add about this game, I think we should move on to Saints-Bears. Yeah, let's move on. So, as a Bears fan, I'm obviously... Not excited by the way this game went, but I definitely think that there are some takeaways from my team that I can hopefully move positively, as well as a lot we can say about the Saints. Like, I feel really good about the Saints after watching this game, and I definitely think that they are the second best team in the NFC for sure at this point. Granted, they are a two seed, so that makes sense. But I definitely have faith in them because their defense, granted, competition from the Bears' side isn't amazing. But in the first half, we were actually looking quite good in terms of plays that we were doing. And that still, Saints were coming up on critical third downs and keeping us in check, even though we were keeping them in tow defensively. And we had a lot of opportunities to strike. There was that one huge play when Javon Wims just dropped a, a beautiful dime from Trubisky. But besides that, like if we w- got that, we would have had the lead. But other than that, we were being kept in check. And the Saints defense was looking as good as it's looked all year. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there. Um, Saints defense is obviously for real. Um, maybe that was somewhat in question after the Philly game and maybe even the Kansas City game. But in the game since, they've kind of come back to form, completely shut down the Bears' offense. Um, although, I mean, who knows what that really even means? Um, especially given I will say, even sorry. Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney. Um, yeah, I mean, we were without Darnell Mooney, this is true. Uh, but CJGJ always has a move, and he somehow got Anthony Miller ejected from the game, which was phenomenal, certainly. But uh, before this game, um, over the past five games, the Bears have been averaging more than 30 points. Um, they obviously only scored 16 against the Packers, 
But before that game, they had scored four straight point, four straight thirty plus point games, which is the first time they've done that in like forty years, like even before our Super Bowl. So this is actually, I know this is a higher scoring NFL than what it has several decades ago, but this is actually like if you look at this like five game average, like the highest scoring output the Bears has been in the past uh, forty years, and. I know that's not enough for scoring for winning in this NFL, but when our defense is elite and it was elite for much of the game until it just simply got too tired because it was being on the field for, I think third quarter. <laughs> yeah. Like 75% of the second half or worse. Um, they just got too tired and we were playing our best defense. We've been playing in weeks also. So I think honestly, I, I have definitely have some hope for my team moving out of this. Yeah, I mean, you guys held the Saints to 21, especially, uh, you know, they had all their pieces back. So, I mean, that's something to definitely hang your head on, given the uh, the state of the offense and how often the defense is on the field. Also, you guys were missing Roquan Smith. So, I mean, there's stuff there. That being said, today they announced that Pace and Nagy are back for the 2021 season. So, that's just beautiful for me. Um, yeah, that was... Not the news I was looking forward to receiving. So uh, awesome. But they also they do look like they're apparently moving on from Pagano, I think, which is interesting. Oh sure, um, yeah. Pagano had some up and down stuff. Yeah, that's Pagano's actually one thing. On. The the weird thing about the Bears, I mean they, they I actually can't even believe that they held the Saints to this score now that I think about it. Because it seemed like every third place, someone was jumping offsides. It was absurd. I don't think I've seen that many offsides slash neutral zone fraction penalties like in a game in a while. Um, maybe it actually wasn't that much, but I swear to God, it was at least three separate times in the same game, which is pretty it, crazy it, given that there's no crowd noise. It was terrible, yeah. I mean, that's just inexcusable. We were so undisciplined. I don't know what it was because our line is normally in check. That was just really really unfortunate because that gets kept giving the saints the opportunity to extend drives when the actual defensive play was not doing that. And also uh, these, the commentators kept talking about how situational our defense is. And I don't know precisely what they meant by that, but uh, I will say our third down defense was certainly not up to task for much of the season, but it was l- really good this past game for for much of it excluding penalties and it was also really really good against the saints last time after the saints converted on two third downs um the bears kept them from converting on 11 straight third downs and that is part of why i was confident you know that i the bears can keep it at one score game but there was just so much undisciplined play on penalties um obviously that ginormous javon wims drop and it was obviously just a a shit show when you look at the grand picture yeah it was pretty bad just pretty bad 50 rushing yards 191 passing yards uh they moved away from what they did best which was running the ball with david montgomery uh legitimately honestly it makes me give it it makes me think that that whole streak was a huge fluke given that you guys played literally you know, one of, you know, some of the worst rushing defenses in the entire league over that stretch. Um, that being the Lions, the Texans, the Vikings, and the Jaguars. And then even once you hit the Packers, I mean, you guys didn't score much. So, 
Well, Packers was, I mean, a lot of that's game script, you know. You can't really have an immense rushing attack when you're behind. Um, Vikings, divisional, and also, you know, they're actually, they're, like, fine. I mean, that's not an excuse. They're, they're fine. not good. They're, they're not, not good, good. Sure, sure. But they're, they were, they're, they were the best team of that bunch before. But uh, the Saints, however, are an elite rushing defense. Yes, so, that's true. So it's that, and also they just have a lot, they have a lot of good corners. I mean, it's not like washington level secondary but it's still quite good especially with marshawn Lattimore. um and there was also weirdness like we weren't passing to alan robinson a lot at all which is you go you go to your weapons marshawn yeah you gotta go to your weapons and i think we're keeping laser to say the least and i think he had some good production um yeah yeah i mean i think this game kind of just went Sort of maybe how people thought a little bit on the lower scoring end, but somehow the Saints are still like up by a decent bit. Um, yeah, I mean, not much to say here. It's a two v seven, uh, and it I'll say it looked like a two v seven seed matchup for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know if Anish or Allen has much to say about this game. I this do. was honestly a pretty boring game, but okay, sure. It was, it. Yes, so that's one thing. It was. It was honestly even even though it was a two v seven, it was surprisingly boring because even like I don't know, like nothing. It seemed like nothing was really happening. Like I was, I was not, I was like so bored. Um, and but 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 the one thing we, we I don't know why we didn't talk about this, but we it was on Nick, right? It was it was on, right. on, on yes. Nickelodeon. That was a big thing. That's the big thing about this game, really. Um, so okay, I guess like what did we think? Like for me, um, it was unique and it worked. I think a lot of people thought it worked out a lot better than, you know, we might have thought at first. Uh, okay, and I, I don't know. There's like I think it was young Sheldon was explaining like random rules and like SpongeBob <laughs> was like dancing. Like that was yes. pretty funny. The slime um, cannons. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, just go for it. Like, what do you guys think about it? I mean, it was fine. Like, it doesn't really hurt anyone. I feel like the overlap of viewers, um, I don't know. Like, it, it's probably roughly the same. I feel like, so I think they released the ratings for that game. It was like 28 million on CBS and like 2 million on Nick. Um, and I genuinely wonder how much of those 2 million were actually like kids slash like families and how many were like right. just dudes, like people in their 20s and 30s, kind of just like, what is this? You know what I mean? Just tuning right. in. Uh, I, I ended up streaming it for a little bit. It was like, it was like mildly entertaining. And I was like, okay, this is, um, this is like this. It was good for kids. I think Nate Burleson did a really good job of commentating it. I think he did a good job of explaining a lot of things, uh, for kids who might not know the rules for the game, uh, in a really clear way. Um, I think, I think he was built, you know, really well for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the overall product was just solid. I don't know and if there's much I, I was I was actually uh doing some research on it because I had the similar or similar question. Like, did the kids actually, you know, like did, did they actually like feel any sort of connection to it because of the shows or whatever? Um and I think I think what most people are saying is that it didn't have as much of a connection as like maybe on paper it was intended to be. Um for example, like uh the, the one example that they give is uh the play-by-play announcer, uh, what's his name? I Noah Eagle, um, right? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Right. So he at one point he says um, the New Orleans receiver uh, Deontay Harris was hotter than a Peruvian puff pepper, which is actually a reference to Drake and Josh. Uh, 
but Drake and Josh oh. was from like 2005, right? Oh, and so, sure, sure. Yeah, so so like Eagle, who's like 24, he was just eight at that time. So like they, they're kind of outdated some of the references. So maybe or maybe this is what they kind of knew would happen. You know what maybe. I mean? Like kind of put they're a little kinda, for, yeah, for the older young guys, yeah, and then put yeah. a lot of stuff for the young guys. Right, you know, right. But I think it's still like pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think it was for fun, sure. For sure, that that I one was part fun. was like was like cool. I mean, if it wasn't for the Nick game, I wouldn't know that Jimmy Graham's favorite flavor of ice cream was vanilla. Exactly. You, know? <laughs> you need exactly. this kind of content. It was just I just I mean like I know it's not like something I want to watch the Nick game every single game we have football, but I think we should have a few games like yes, this. I, I I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Um, being one of those older young kids, so to speak, and. Uh, I definitely think this is something that the NFL can move forward with. Who knows? I mean, the Pro Bowl is going to be hosted on Disney XD, so let's oh see God, if Disney yeah. can come oh up to task. Oh, my God. I actually did not even know that. Um, but, yeah, yeah. That's, unfortunately, Nickelodeon is the, really the bigger takeaway in some sense from this there, game yeah, than that's, the, that the actual football. <laughs> but I do think the Saints are a really good team, and I – I'm not worried about them taking on. I'm not to get into predictions, but I don't have any fear for them taking on the Bucks next right. this weekend. Right. I agree with that. Um, I guess with that, then we can move on to uh, I don't know Seahawks Rams. We're kind of just jumping around the slate here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, that was the other kind of fringe game. A lot of people, you know, were on both sides of the fence, right? Even in this, even in this podcast, we took different picks. Um, I don't know why I picked the Seahawks. Though, looking back, like I should have known. Well, because of because of Wolford, right? Because it uh, or Wofford, um, because it's like okay, yes, the like I don't think any of us expected Russell Wilson to play well. I really didn't. I thought they were going to score like probably you know twenty four points or less easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, my whole thing was Jared Goff is not playing. You have a backup playing in the playoffs. That's yeah, usually but, not a recipe for success. Yeah, that's that's true. But at the same time, like the Rams aren't built on like having a great quarterback. Like obviously it's the backup, but they're, they're primarily like their, their defense is like the main, the main aspect of their team. And right. maybe even the run game. Like, yeah. Right. But, but, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was surprising. Like, we can, we can, we can go into that. I'm just saying like yeah. before, like I hadn't, I don't know what I, like for me, it was really just a toss up. I just went, like Russell Wilson's a better quarterback. Like I have to believe that like quarterbacks matter um, like a ton, and uh, that was kind of the tipping point for me. Um, and you I know, think there, what there, it, well, there yeah. are arguments that like Walford is is a better uh, QB to play than Goff. Like there are right. arguments for him. So it wasn't necessarily that. It's just Wait, yeah. I mean, obviously, what? obviously, like the Rams, the Rams. Uh, the Rams played really well in, in essence. So that's that's all you really need. The CX just did not. And Pete Carroll is just uh he's getting a lot of shit for it. Um, yeah. maybe rightfully so. So I don't know. Well, I mean the Seahawks they fired their OC um mm-hmm. I think yesterday, Brian Schoenheimer. So we'll see what that happens. And Pete Carroll uh reiterated that they're gonna go back to a kind of you know run game uh, centric focused offense, which is what they've been the whole time. Um I think this is such an interesting case study of just like fans uh, being like armchair coaches, right? Because their whole yeah. ru- like the whole let Russ cook movement 
um, you know, was kind of started by by the twelves, right? Yeah, and probably a little by rest himself. And then for the first month of the season, we're like, oh my god, dude, these fans are so football savvy. Like this is great. Like look at what we're seeing. And then the season happened. We're like, okay, yeah. So this is why maybe mm-hmm. they don't let Russell Wilson do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just shocking. Honestly, it's insane. I was I was definitely seeing some praises for Russell in the first month of the season. He was literally, you know, he's breaking records, right? Set by, mm-hmm. you know, in, in crazy seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second half of the season, he's literally like a below average quarterback. Um, yeah. Or like average at best. And it's just insane. It's just shocking. Um, I do. I think now that I'm looking at it, I think, Anish, the reason that I picked Seahawks over Rams, and maybe you did too, is that literally two weeks mm-hmm. ago the Seahawks beat the Rams right at Seahawks, um, and it yeah, wasn't that yeah, close. of course. But but so I think I, that I kind of factored into I, it. But I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. It, it, to me, it was like I was just struggling, man. I was struggling with this. I was struggling with the Browns. I was too. Like, yeah, I was too. I mean, I I I had Rams versus Seahawks for a long time, and very end, I flipped it. It was just tough mm-hmm. because we've seen the Rams shut down the Seahawks, and then two weeks ago we saw mm-hmm. the Seahawks, you know, pull it out against the Rams. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do we mm-hmm. see today? I think this is just a very high variance game. If you play this again tomorrow, I, you know, Seahawks mm-hmm. might win. Uh, who knows who wins in a series? I have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, well, this goes more to predictions, but the Rams now have a tough test in Green Bay next week. Um, yeah. I think if I'm a Rams fan, I mean, I won't, I won't say much about that game because I do want to do that in, like, predictions and general stuff. But um, at, least, at the very least, I mean, Cam Akers look pretty solid yeah. on Saturday um, against a, a solid Seahawks defense. I think people forget how good the Seahawks defense has been the second half of the season. Um, so for Cam Akers to have almost five yards a carry, uh, 131 yards in a TD, I mean, that's really, really solid. Uh, thanks for – well – I'll say that in the predictions. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Alex and Alan, do you guys have any takeaways from this game? Yeah, I'll say that I'm just – I, for me, it was not a tough decision because I never thought it was going to go down to quarterback play. As good as Russell Wilson is, you know, like part of the time and also, you know, all those metrics showing that he's perhaps in the playoffs the most clutch QB in NFL history or at least up there. Um, I didn't think it would show up because of how good the Rams defense is. I know that in week 16, Seahawks won pretty handedly, but we have to remember that that's the game that Jared Goff broke his thumb mid game. So I kind of threw that to the side and I knew that even I was confident enough with Walford playing at the cards that it was enough for me that I was like, okay, he's serviceable enough to game manage that this defense is just going to be OP because that's how the Rams function. And also, you know, Cam Akers is a really interesting point to mention because over the past three weeks, he'd been almost a no-show. Like in week 17, he only had 1.6 yards of carry against the Cardinals. And then in this game, he got like 30 touches or something. Um, It was insane. Um, He's finally become a workhorse. For the longest time, the Rams had been doing their committee, but I mean, part of it might be injuries. I'm pretty sure Henderson's out, but overall, it was just clearly Cam Akers is now a workhorse, and that is the kind of player I was looking for when I traded for him from a niche. Um, 
certainly I should have thought more critically about it at the time because, you know, he's a rookie and there's COVID, so preseason is not going to be a thing. But that is who I knew Cam Akers could be coming out of college. So I'm I'm really happy for him. Um, his game rival uh, mirrors Dalvin Cook in a lot of ways. They both came out of FSU, and I definitely think he has a bright future as long as he can stay healthy. But uh, other than that, yeah, the Rams just kept being insane. Um, Jalen Ramsey, obviously, top three cover corner in the NFL. And um, he, like, it was probably his, he's not alone, obviously. They have a lot of good backups in John Johnson. And uh, I'm blanking on other names right now. They're second, they're really good secondary. Obviously, they have oh, Eric no. Donald, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, candidates and already three-time winner. Um, so their defense is insane. And I just knew that th- for come playoff times, I was confident about them putting up the test. It's obviously going to be a bigger question, a much bigger question for this coming week. And uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that game. Okay, so I guess with that, we can move on uh, and just finish up the last um, two games here at the end. So we have Baltimore, or rather, yeah, we have Baltimore versus Tennessee, and then we have Buffalo versus uh, Indianapolis. Um, I guess we'll just, I'll just start with Baltimore versus Tennessee. This was a really interesting game for me. Um, I picked Tennessee to win primarily because they had beaten them last year in the playoffs, and they'd already beaten them early in the regular season. I remember seeing something prior to the game where um, the Ravens had changed some of their run blocking from, uh, I believe it was like a gap scheme to more of a zone run scheme. And there was a debate on what how much that would affect uh, the Titans' ability to mitigate it. Um, it's obvious that that it, it clearly did something, right? Um, I think this is also a clear example of momentum in, in a game. I remember when the Titans were up 10 to nothing and the Ravens had the ball, I think like on their own 30 or something like that. It was third and seven, right? They hadn't done anything this whole game. Lamar had already thrown his horrible interception to Malcolm Butler. Uh, you know, he almost gets sacked and he scrambles and he finds Mark Andrews on the sideline at third and seven. I, I remember thinking in my head that that's, you know, almost even a season saving throw. Um, because it's like second quarter, you're down 10 zero. You've never come back from 10 zero, you know, with this quarterback and Lamar uh, against a team that you you're Owen to against in the past two seasons. Um, and they brought it back. I mean, Lamar had a magical 45 yard touchdown run. It was insane. I don't know how he turned that in, you know, from like a three yard gain into a 45 yard touchdown. Uh, just absurd. Uh, the defense held up. They they stopped Derrick Henry, which was one of the key points that came away from that game. Held him to two yards of carry, which is insane. They stopped Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown. Corey Davis wasn't playing, which I think really hurt that offense. And uh, they were able to pull it out. I mean, they were able to show something that we've never seen under Lamar, and that's playing from behind, which you got to do in the playoffs. Uh, this is, a, you know, like a career advancing kind of win for Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, finally gets a playoff win, but just the way he did is just so impressive for this team. And I think a lot of people are giving this team a good chance against Buffalo, which they should. I think the spread for this game, 
uh, is the lowest of the four games in the divisional game. And I think that that shows the respect that people have for this Ravens team now. And they definitely can win. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is this is out of the four games. I think this has the highest probability of going the wild, the lower seeds way. Um, but just just a statement win, honestly. Okay, so obviously at this point, you know, we're just having technical issues. So, Alan, is it working for you now? Yeah, it worked. Hello? Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. So. Oh, what the okay. fuck? Um, Why would it stop working? And I don't even have any recording from before. I guess I didn't say anything. So it's not that okay. big of a deal. Uh, Yeah, so we'll just... Yeah, so we'll just we'll let you. Do you have something to say about the game? Uh, no, you go first. I, okay. I, I lost my train of thought. Train All right. Of yeah, uh, I'll definitely talk then. Okay. You're right. This is a statement win. This is just huge for Lamar. There's that narrative, you know, that, oh, Lamar Jackson cannot win a playoff game. Hopefully this can finally keep the doubters in check. I'm going to clearly admit that I, you know I'm biased. I, I love Lamar. I have loved him since he played at Louisville. You know, I actually wrote a college paper on him freshman year about the, the language that they were using during the draft process and, like, how I thought he was being, like, underlooked because, you know, he's a black quarterback because that was – it's a lot, and just in the few years, it's become a lot more common and calmly accepted. But just a few years ago, there were even doubts, and they were like, Lamar Jackson should be a wide receiver. And that's insane, given the way he's played. So I have a lot of respect for the man, certainly. And while he wasn't the season's MVP, he definitely had flashes, especially with that touchdown, Ron, that Rom emphasized, that showed clearly why he's that X-factor type of player that very well is always in potential for MVP conversation. And uh, the 10-0 hole was fair, you know. There was that one really bad throw Lamar had when he threw, like, 10 yards to the left or something on the inside. It was on the route. It was so bad. It, it was so bad. And we were like, well, I guess Lamar can't take the pressure. But then they just flipped it around. And... Uh, I, you know, J.K. Dobbins had his best game of his career. You know, he just, they just kept feeding him. The blocking was good for the most part. Lamar was able to avoid pressure or, you know, if he had to, obviously, he could use his legs to get rid of it. The way he jukes is phenomenal. It's just insane. Like, it's like he doesn't slow down. The way, you know, you would normally have to slow down to shift your body weight he somehow can get around the laws of physics. It's insane. And uh, I definitely like Ravens a lot. I actually, and we originally made the brackets, I even picked them to win against the Chiefs because I thought the Steelers would win and I thought they'd be facing the Chiefs. Like, this is how much confidence I have in the Ravens. 
So it'll be a very exciting game against the Bills, to say the least. I completely agree. Um, I think this is a really good showing for Lamar Jackson. Um, I will say Lamar definitely proved me wrong in the sense that it wasn't just like, oh, you know, I, and I, I never thought he could be a good quarterback, but I never thought he could do so much at once, which includes playing at deficits. I think this is the first time he's come mm-hmm. back from like a hole this big, which is, I mean, he usually sets up really good leads. So like he usually doesn't end up in holes this big, but when he does, like he kind of falters. And then also it's a team that's very personal. Mm-hmm. Like there's like that personal aspect to it. And I, I don't know, sometimes, you know, these kind of players can get in their heads and maybe it, it for a young quarterback like Lamar, you know, it could, it could really easily just blow up. This is the kind of like a recipe for disaster that everyone talks about. You got that, you know, inexperienced, not relatively inexperienced quarterback, you know, deficits, you know, the, the Titans are like really could get in their heads. All of those things didn't face him and he ended up pulling through in the end. Now, I do want to say against such a paltry, like, uh, you know, pass defense, I did expect better passing. I've seen him grow as a passer in the last two years. I, I don't doubt that he's a good passer, but that wasn't really on display yesterday. Um, and, you know, that's that's something that he definitely needs to work on. He needs to be more versatile if he wants to have a chance the next round. Uh, that's just my opinion, though. Yeah, I so, agree with you, Alan. Yeah. Um, Lamar had a bunch of yards, but he also had, a, you know, he had 135 yards rushing and, like, 170 passing which I agree with you is just like not going to get it done. Um, you know, especially against the bills and such a high flying offense. Um, so I, 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 I agree with you. I, I want to see more of him as a passer, you know, because we just haven't seen that this, this season at all. And they're going to need it for sure. Um, but I guess with that, we can move on just to the final game here. Indianapolis versus Buffalo. Uh, another 2v7 matchup, but this one was a lot closer than Bears-Saints, and it was definitely an interesting game. Um, I enjoyed watching it. It was it was kind of a weird game because I feel like both sides were not maybe playing exactly at their best. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think about it? I mean, I don't know what you necessarily mean by playing at their best, at least for the Colts' perspective, because they definitely came to play. Yeah, they I guess I meant more for the Bears. For the Bills, yeah, yeah I, I got that. Um, and like you know, the Colts' defense lately hasn't been insane. So if if you if you meant in that sense, sure they could be better. But like in terms of where they had been for the past part of the season, you know, this is probably the best I was expecting from the Colts. I never thought that they would win, just because of how much faith I have in the Bills at this point. But uh, we've seen how great that offense had become over the past few weeks as as they figured more out what to do with their running backs and as Philip Rivers became more comfortable in the system and like I thought that he looked really good honestly in terms of his connections with his wide receivers TY Hilton you know having his fair chunk of yardage and I especially loved the Michael Pittman connection I was definitely seeing that earlier in the season and then it went away and this is the first game I'd seen where it felt like 
all cylinders were firing. And the only problem is they had to face the Bills. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I, I, the Colts brought their best. I mean, this is more nitpicking. Like, the Colts played really good football. I'm not going to, like, diminish that. However, I was a bit disappointed by Jonathan Taylor, honestly. I think he kind of – I think he only averaged, like, a pretty mm-hmm. like, 3.7 yards per carry. I, for a, I, I think that needs to be better, obviously. And if it was better, hey – Maybe you could be looking at a different game. Um, and it's really sad. This Colts team, I really like a lot. I think they could have, if they had clicked like two weeks earlier, like, you know, in the beginning of the season, they were like pretty like all over the place, but they clicked like, um, I forgot which week, and they kind of went on that good run. If they had clicked a week or two earlier, I think this Colts team could have pulled off the upset. I think this was a Bills team that um, got lucky. I have to be honest that this Colts team came to play, um, although they didn't give it like it wasn't the best football they could have put up, but they did. I feel like they were the ones that like had more push um, and that definitely, you know, showed in, in, in such a close game. I don't think anyone expected such a close game. I would definitely be worried if I was a Bills fan. And I do hope, you know, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I do hope Philip Rivers comes back. This is a Colts team that has a lot of potential. And uh, if, if he stays next year, I think they have what it takes, you know, a lot of young pieces on both offense and defense. He mans to help one more time. You know, they have what it takes to make a decent run. I don't know about Super Bowl contenders, but – I mean, this is a better showing than I think I ever expected. Any kind of, you know, uh, pundit ever expected. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. So, sorry. I, uh, yeah, that was a great showing for them overall. And you're right that there's some criticism for Jonathan Taylor. I didn't mean that he was perfect. There were also those two massive drops he had. That if he just didn't let go of the football, Colts easily could have won this thing. And uh, so he was inconsistent. But overall, yes, I really liked what this team can do. Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, obviously all pros. And just in their second years, they have so much cap space, lots of draft capital, just great ownership. I, I have faith that they can be competitive for years to come. It's just and I, if they clicked one to two weeks sooner, as you were mentioning, not only would they have maybe been more ready for the Bills, if they had clicked just one week sooner, then pretty sure they would have beat the Titans for the division, and they would have instead mm-hmm. been having home field against, I guess, the Ravens. I don't know how yeah. it would have worked out, depending on what the matchups were. And that's a very different story for them. They could easily have been divisional rounds because of just the new matchup. Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said. I, I, I've I always liked Philip Rivers. Um, I think he... He doesn't get maybe as much respect as he deserves for playing this league for so long, even though he does get a lot of respect, which I think says a lot about the career of Philip Rivers. Um, yeah, Jonathan Taylor not being as much... He kind of reverted to like midseason form, which usually is a good thing for players, but for him, like he really turned up at the end of the season, and he was just okay against what is generally uh, a weaker uh, run defense uh, with the Bills. Um. But I think they have all the pieces, honestly, to make a decent run next year. Like this is one of those teams that, you know, can work on some things in the offseason and come out like white hot 
you know, out of the gate in the regular season next year, like, you know, uh, you know, establish themselves as, as, a you know, a Super Bowl contender, really. They have a great running back room. Uh, they have solid receivers. They have, you know, experienced quarterback and they have that defense, right? They have a lot of good guys on that defense with DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, both making first team all pro this year. Um, Don't forget their amazing offensive line. Yeah, their offensive line has been weird. I mean, Quentin Nelson is obviously like unbelievable. Three first team all pros to start out a career is just always ridiculous. Um, yeah, they have a sol- They definitely have obviously a solid offensive line. Um, I mean, but- yeah, there's weakness. There's that. I forgot the name of the tackle, but he's going to be starting for the Packers this weekend now. Oh yeah, Veltier. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. there are clearly some weaknesses because of injuries and COVID, but. Right. If you have Brian Nelson, I mean, like, and Ryan Kelly's like. Exactly. Their line, yeah, your line can only be so bad. Um, yeah, it sucks that they got this matchup. They still put up a great fight. Um, and I think they'll have a solid year next year, but we'll see with Phillip Rivers. Meanwhile, for the Bills, I mean, I always say one of the marks of a good team is that you can play. You're not playing your best, but you still kind of eke out the win, right? I think we've seen that from a lot of the top teams this year, especially the Chiefs. Uh, the Bills didn't play their best ball, but you know Josh Allen still ended the game with 324 yards, two TDs, no interceptions, right? And they, they didn't really run the ball well apart from Josh, which is a little bit more problematic. Um, but came out with a win, scored still a decent, you know, a good amount of points. And uh, didn't turn the ball over, so that's that's always things you like to see. Um, so I believe that's all six games from this past weekend. So I guess now we can look to the four that are coming up uh, this next weekend. I think we'll go over this kind of quickly. Sure, but we're getting to the we, end of our right, time. Before we do that, I, I do think um, a little more can be said about the Bills because you know all of us predicted them being in the conference finals. And I know it's a little tough when it's a close game, but I definitely thought their defense looked really good. And you mentioned you highlighted Micah Hyde a few weeks ago. I think he looked phenomenal this past game. And uh, Jordan Poyer, just their their secondary really, um, and uh, their their front seven was fine. You know, Ed Oliver making plays. Um, so I think their defense has been, even if it wasn't perfect from them, it's definitely looking better than what was at the beginning of the season. And I do think they still have the momentum carrying them forward. Yeah. It's a little weaker now. It's a little weaker now, but um, I guess we can use this as a segue to, to jump into Bill's Ravens for next week, uh, which is the most intriguing matchup. Um, I think this kind of just comes down to game script personally, even though Lamar and, and them have shown that they come back now. Um, we still don't know how consistently they can do that, right? That's still not really a team built for it. So I feel like if the Bills can get explosive early on and they can jump out to like a, you know, like really just a 10 nothing lead, but, you know, 10 14, whatever, um, it becomes a lot tougher for, for the Ravens to come back from that. Not only that, but Sean McDermott's just such a, a great defensive coach that even if, you know, Lamar finds the way to to lead the comeback. I'm pretty confident in McDermott's ability to adjust and figure out how to properly handle the new second half Ravens or whatever's happening. So as much as I love the Ravens, I don't personally see them beating the Bills. 
Yes. I have to agree with Rom. I think this is a team or this is a matchup that's really, really intriguing. I didn't have this matchup. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was going to be Chiefs Ravens. And I thought, okay, well, Mahomes, Jackson, that's been played out a few times. Yeah, he swept. Mahomes yeah. is like 2 0, 3 0, or something like that at this point. He swept. So, I mean, like, I was like, all right, that's not going to be that, you know, interesting. But Bills, Ravens, now that will be a really, really interesting matchup. I think. I'm leaning towards Bills as well, but I don't know. I mean, the Ravens, they can put up a good fight. Um, I think they're a team that's really glowed up in the last few weeks, similar to the Browns. I think it's like in the last, like the second half of the season, mm-hmm. they kind of like blossomed into this like much better form. Um, yeah, I just think the Bills are more explosive and the Bills have like some kind of, uh, I mean, strong coaching, but so do the Ravens. I think the Bills have what, uh, I think they're going to what's it called? Um, I think they're going to push and and like make a make a lead, uh, establish a strong lead. Sorry, uh, in the beginning of the game, um, and that's probably what's going to happen. And so, just like Ram was saying, um, yeah, I definitely think this is going to be a fun matchup. Don't get me wrong. I just you know I feel as much as I like the Ravens defense, you know at least on paper. Um, not playing perfect necessarily, but I definitely just think the Bills are hot enough now that they can spread the ball around. And yeah, they didn't have good running numbers with anyone besides Josh Allen, but this team has always been like going to weaknesses and they've been able to move around. Colts are a really good running defense too. So that's probably just accommodated for. And even the week before they had, I think it was Antonio Williams or someone who like popped off. So they, I am not worried about their ability to fluctuate and just go find the right path of weakness, the path of great success. And Ravens have a great corner set, great secondary, but uh, I think the Bills are having this reality check of sorts are ready to, to come to play and they have the home field and I think they're going to win. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess we can move on to the other AFC matchup going on, which is Chiefs versus Browns. Okay, so this is okay. This is a really weird matchup, right? This has the largest spread, I think. So the other AFC matchup had the lowest spread. This has the largest spread, I think, of the four um, games. And I think out of the four, people are giving the Browns the least chance to beat the Chiefs. And rightfully so, right? Because the Chiefs have been... They get, you know, even we, we've talked about it, despite their optics, you know, they still get that top tier team respect, um, you know, Super Bowl champion respect, whatever. The Browns have, they're a weird team because they're very momentum based, as I said. We saw it with the Titans. They get a few turnovers early. They get like one turnover early on. I don't even know how they do it. They just get turnovers in bunches. And with the run game, they just salt away the game and just like go up like super big, like 31 to nothing, you know, 28 to nothing. Uh, I don't know what they were in the Titans game. I forget like 20, 24 to nothing or something. And then they slowly like let them back because like their defense isn't actually good. Right. It's just opportunistic, which is how I've described them the whole uh, season. Now on the other side, Kansas city, their first team offense hasn't played uh, now in it'll be three weeks. Right. And historically, we've seen that there's usually rust when that happens. I don't know how quickly they'll shake it off. But if they can start the game with 
like like if this start the game with like a turnover or like a three and out or something that really gives momentum to the Browns end, uh, this game could get more out of like this game could actually swing in the Browns' favor, which is unbelievable, right? It's a fringe case, but the Browns have a very intriguing like they have a way of winning against the Chiefs, which I don't think a lot of teams do. Um, but obviously it's a low probability. But I think this is more intriguing than maybe a lot of people are making it out to be. Uh, even though I might very well just end up eating crow next week when the chief, if the Chiefs win like you know forty five to like twelve or something. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on this? Because you you two both have been a little lower on the Browns this season than I have. I mean, you know, I definitely have absolutely, and yeah, I still see where you're coming from. Um, I think this is a team that has really clicked. It was after their bye week, really, I think. And that, that that's amazing to me that they made so many adjustments and turned Baker into like a from like a below average quarterback to like, you know, after the bye week mm-hmm. his numbers are, you know, very top tier if you ask me. Um I I still I, I agree. I think it's a bit, you know, it, it kind of feels like a trap game. Um, I want to see, you know, <laughs> I'm always quite low on Andy Reid. I think he is not a very good coach, frankly, even though he won the Super Bowl, I'm not, you know, an idiot, but you know, his whole career in the Eagles, I always thought he like wasted a bunch of players potential, um, Donovan McNabb, T Owens, etc. And so I do like the coaching matchup for the Browns, and that's important. I think that's really important. And, uh, you know, this Chiefs team, I, I don't know. I, I Long story short, I agree with you, Rom. I think I would, if I was a sports better, I think I would try to take the under. Um, but, uh, yeah, of course, you know, the Chiefs could just go come swinging, and, you know, the Browns don't have, like, an elite defense. So, you know, anything can happen. But I, I don't think it's going to be as lopsided as some will. Well, I don't want to just keep patting everyone's back here, but I mean, I'm in generally the same boat. You know, I definitely feel like the Browns have a better shot of winning than uh, minus 500 Chiefs odds would suggest. Like, right. I definitely think that there's that formula to victory. The Kansas City Chiefs are like lower middle like tier run defense but if you break it down they actually that's like largely due to like touchdown um discrepancy and really they're like at least coming into december they were like a bottom quarter rushing defense and we know that the browns have nick chubb and kareem hunt and it's all going to be about game script as long as they can stay in the lead which obviously is Far easier said than done, but if they can maintain a lead and Chubb and Hunt can just keep tearing it apart on the ground, um, Kansas City is going to be in a tough position because if they are going to clamp down on the box, then it's going to open things up for Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, and if not, then they're just going to get ripped apart from the inside, so... It's going to be a lot about defense this game because we know that Patrick Mahomes can tear apart any secondary and Cleveland does not have a good back end. Um, 
even this past game, you know, Benton threw for 500 yards, and that was because they were missing two starters. But uh, Patrick Mahomes is on a very different level than Big Benton is at this point in his career. And with how easily they spread apart the ball with their offense, um, I think there's just going to be a shootout on this game. And it's only going to be if the Browns have, like, consistent offensive firepower that they can come to victory. I just do think that's a lot more likely than the odds in Vegas suggest. Yeah, exactly. Um, if I'm Chiefs fan, honestly, out of the Ravens and the Browns, um, I think this is the worst matchup. Ravens just are not built at all. Like, the Chiefs, they're, wor- they're just not built at all to take on the Chiefs. But the Browns, I mean, maybe. High variance plays, right? High variance plays. Um, so those are two AFC matchups. I guess we can quit. This is, uh, I guess, getting towards the end of the podcast here, so we can quickly go over the NFC matchups. Uh, first, we have my Packers against the Rams. Uh, this is an interesting matchup because the Rams are coming in not really healthy at all, right? Cooper Cup looked a little banged up at the end of that Seahawks game. Aaron Donald is going to play, but given that he has injured ribs you know he's probably 75 percent at best that being said 75 percent aaron Donald is still much better than a lot of the dts in this league um and then also obviously jared goff uh now this is a team that i didn't really want to see because i think one of the ways to be good quarterbacks is to get pressure with your front four and they can definitely do that and they also have one of the very like two maybe people in the entire league who can take on Devontae Adams one-on-one in um, Jalen Ramsey. Um, that being said, I don't think we're going to score that much uh, relative to what we have. And I don't think it's going to be a very high scoring game really. Um, but I think the difference is honestly just our defense, which I don't know if enough people are talking about, but it's been just really, really good. Um the, the past month-ish, I would say. Uh, we have two second-team All-Pros in Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander, who's a top-three corner. Um, and I think, like, this is this could be a game that has, like, the Saints score, I think, from this past week. Like, a 24-9 kind of kind of game. Um, but I think... And also, obviously, there's there's the, the weather factor at Lambeau, although I don't know what it's supposed to be. It's actually not too cold over here right now. Uh, but I think Packers take it. I think it's a two-score game. Um, but I don't think the offense would look as good as it would in other games. I'll be honest. I think this is the easiest matchup to the side. Um, and honestly, by far, really, if the Packers don't pull mm-hmm. through and I have the Packers winning it all yeah. um, in my prediction, if the Packers don't pull through, like what the, what the hell is that? That to me is like, honestly, I mean, I, I think even Matt LaFleur, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat because of the single loss, but it does show like, what are you doing? It like raises questions. I think, I think this is a Rams team. Of course, I understand the Packers can be threatened by that, you know, pass rush, but the Rams are broken right now. Who, you know, like, yes, Probably Jared Goff will be back, but I, I still believe that quarterbacking is really, really important. Um, you know, when it comes to the playoffs and Jared Goff not being a hundred percent, who knows what percent he's at really. Yes, he pulled through, but to me it was honestly more of the Seahawks losing that game than 
the Rams winning, if you ask me. Um, but that's, you know, where we're, we've moved on from that conversation. I just think the Packers absolutely need to make a statement, you know, just destroy the Rams, you know, especially if the weather is in their favor too. Um, they really don't have many excuses, honestly. I, I, I just don't think it's a, this is a matchup that really can be like, well, let's nitpick and let's figure out like the, the holes here and there. The Packers, if they are legitimate contenders, which they should be, I mean, there's some people like me who think that they're Super Bowl favorites. Um, I think they're the second Super Bowl favorite, second in Vegas odds. If they cannot pull through against this broken Rams team, I really don't know. I mean, like, I'm even surprised he pulled through against uh, whatever. <laughs> let's, let's just leave it I'm at not that. surprised that the Rams pulled through against the Seahawks. I've never been very high on them throughout the second half of the season at the very least. But uh, I do get what you're saying, that, uh, you know, if they don't beat this Rams team, it, it puts Matt LaFleur on the hot seat. And as much as me being a Bears fan wants me to try and concoct a way that I can genuinely believe the Packers lose this game, I just can't find it. Even if the Rams were fully healthy, you know, just look at statistics on Jared Goff being a terrible road quarterback and a especially terrible cold weather quarterback. You know, that LA boy needs his sunshine. And I don't know how cold it's going to be, but Rom, let's be real. It's not going to be cold by our standards because we're both Midwestern boys, but it's going to be frigid by the Los Angeles Rams standards. Yeah. And they are not going to be able to handle the open dome at Lambeau. Um, I wish that the Green Bay didn't have such an excellent home field advantage when it came to weather situations as it does, but it does. And uh, I would not want to be Sean McVay right now, trying to figure out a way to victory. I guess the path would probably be something similar to, you know, pounding the rock constantly with Cam Akers, maybe switching in Malcolm Brown and, Henderson, if he somehow, I don't think he'd come back off IR actually, but either way, it's so slim that I'm not even really going to seriously ponder that possibility. Yes, their defense is elite, but we know that even when Devontae Adams has one of those rare games where he just gets shut down by like a Jalen Ramsey type corner, those are the games where Aaron Rodgers excels and just is able to throw like 80 yard touchdown passes to. Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Equinemia St. Brown, because that's just what Aaron Rodgers fucking does. And I am not going to be having fun watching it from a fan perspective, just because I I don't care to see Aaron Rodgers have another excellent game, but that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree with both of you. Like it's tough to see how the Packers lose. Um, it would just have to be momentum, really. It just have to be something like the Bucks game, where Rogers throws like a pick six or or a bad pick early in the game, and they just run the ball effectively, and we just lose. Um, what's funny is that Aaron Rodgers, the Green, like during Aaron Rodgers' tenure, we have been like horrible against the NFC West. Um, he's one and one against the Seahawks, and that one win is his only win against the. Uh, NFC West. He's 0-3 against the Niners and 0-2 against the Cardinals. And we've never played the Rams. Um, so this would 
fulfill the the losses you know the 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 quadrifecta i guess or whatever uh and just you know have losses to all four teams in the nfc west but i don't see it happening um and so i guess with that we can move on to the final game which is bucks versus saints uh round three it's always fun to see you know getting uh, a divisional game in the divisional round uh, because it's the third game that those two teams have played. This has been one of the most hyped-up matchups in the entire season, and now in the playoffs, I'm sure the NFL is loving it. This is great for their promotional material. Uh, Breeze versus Brady. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to pick the Bucks given what the Saints have done this season uh, against the Bucks. That second game was unbelievable, one of the most lopsided losses between two competitive teams I've ever seen. Uh, and that's saying something that was two weeks earlier. I saw the Packers get destroyed by the Bucks. 38 to 10. Um, I think I heard a sound in the Bears cast that like Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Drew Brees have only played for like 10 quarters uh, this whole season, and now they're all finally healthy. Um, none of them had an insane game on Saturday, but I think MT will see an increased role now against the Bucks, uh, especially against that, that porous secondary. It's tough not to take the Saints here, just given the matchup experience. Um, and and just the round three. Yeah, even if Devin White, well, Devin White should be coming back. I do not see this defense from the Bucks stopping the Saints. So the question would be, can their offense keep up with them? And, you know, to their credit, it's getting more consistent. It's getting better, and I definitely honestly think because it's a divisional game and Bruce Arians has had time to follow up on this situation, they might be able to put a really strong offensive foot forward. But that's just a lot of might. As terms of what I think is really going to happen and what I expect to happen, the Saints seem to be kryptonite to the Bucks. I don't want to overuse that analogy, but they just know how to dominate that team. Because back in September when Brady was new to the system. Um, the Bucks only lost 23 to 34. But then two months later in November, when Brady is like settled in, has rapport with his receivers, they have better running personnel because they signed Fournette at that point. They lose 38 to 3. And this is going to be a home game for the Saints. And uh, as much as I want to see, you know. Breeze and Brady duke it out like an amazing game. I just don't have much faith of that happening. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, I think this is a matchup that definitely could be interesting, but, you know, putting everything aside the saints will probably win the saints have shown that they have the buccaneers number um and yeah i just i think drew Brees has put up some good football these last few weeks uh i was wondering maybe if drew Brees is 100 percent, maybe the buccaneers could pull it off but i'm more or less convinced that he is getting to form or is at you know full health or whatever so that's the only thing that could really, you know, set it off in my head is like if, say, uh, what's his face, Drew Brees gets hurt or like is like 
knocked in a bad way, not hurt like he can't play anymore, but it kind of ruins the pacing of the game, then perhaps the Buccaneers can capitalize. Um, that's the only way I can see it happening, though. I, I really don't see the Buccaneers being able to, like, you know, uh, keep up the pace if it does become a shootout. I just don't see them having anywhere close to the same kind of running ability or this or that. So I don't know. One interesting narrative I think about this game is that I was hearing a lot of commentary during the Saints-Bears game that, oh, Drew Brees is putting it all out there for, like, one final shot at a championship. And that's fair. You know, he is a 41-year-old man that probably just keeps playing because he keeps winning and already is a surefire Hall of Famer. It's just an interesting narrative because Brady is two years older and there seems to be no indication that he's stopping next season. So I guess I'm curious what all the fuss is for Breeze. But regardless, he played a much better defense this past week. And he definitely, I mean, we were missing two starters in our secondary, but Drew Breeze is just ready to take this to the max, I think, against the Bucks. Wait, I think I just read. We did you guys start started Manti Teo. It was very interesting indeed. Like, uh, there were some fantastic <laughs> memes on Twitter about amazing. Nickelodeon having to try to explain Manti Teo's girlfriend to children. <laughs> I, because, like, I think I read, like, he wasn't in the league at all yeah. until, like, this game, like, this season. Yeah, we've had our offensive line weaknesses and we needed him. (laughs) But fun times, fun times. I guess I just want to, unless anyone else has significant thoughts about this last game, I just wanted to like reflect at the league at large just for a second that all these old quarterbacks are where dominating NFC playoffs. We've got Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, and Jared Goff slash Wolford, whoever ends up playing. Whereas on the AFC, all of their quarterbacks are younger than Jared Goff. They have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and uh, Baker. Baker Baker's the oldest QB, and he's like 25 years old. Yeah, and he's younger than Goff. It's insane. And this is what the state of the NFL might be for the next few years until the NFC finally drafts these elite young QBs. There's what, Dak and Kyler. I think that's it. And Zach yeah. is obviously <laughs> at least your question mark on the Not state yet. of the <laughs> No, yeah, it will be interesting to see how the Buccaneers and Saints cope um, after these quarterbacks head out. I mean, clearly Taysom Hill isn't really the future, if you ask me. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things go. They should have kept Teddy. Or no, actually not. Teddy charged a lot of money. Like a lot of money. So, um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, we're gonna uh, wrap this up. So, I mean, that's that's been our wild card review under divisional predictions. This is really, you know, the meat and bones of the NFL season. It's a great time to be a football fan. A lot of great matchups. Um, and yeah, I mean, thank you everyone for watching. You know, well, not watching, listening, tuning in on this episode. And we'll see you right again back here uh, next week uh, for divisional round reactions and our championship game predictions. Have a good one, y'all. Peace out. All right, see you guys.
Um, yeah, they just had a really you know solid effort on offense. Um, Uh, <laughs> dude, the landline is killing me, bro. The landline is killing me. I hate that we have a landline so much, dude. I hate that we have that so fucking much. Are you at a call center, bro? Are you at a IT I think it's a <laughs> <laughs> um, Unreal, dude. Yeah. Unreal. I mean, 